Where do we start when striving for equity? What does this concept mean in everyday classrooms? How does a relevant curriculum lead to a more equitable education? I explore these questions with Dr. Shante Garrett, superintendent at Rocky Mount Preparatory School in North Carolina. She is an instructional leader with building and district level experience in transforming schools and leading students to high achievement levels. This episode offers practical ideas for any teacher or leader to apply. For example, asking students what they want you to know about them as the first question of the school year. When we approach our roles as a learner first and then create holding spaces for others, students can create their own narratives for success. Welcome, Dr. Garrett. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be with you. Thank you. And you are a superintendent of a K-12 charter school district in North Carolina. Uh, yes. You also taught high school math. Um, anything yes. you want to add to that? No, you know, I just position myself as a learner um, in the spaces that I have the privilege of, of serving in, um, even capacities, you know, such as spending time with you this morning. Um, and so I collect all of my experiences as learning opportunities in order to, to be the best in wherever I am sent um, in that time or, or the next time. So, well, And that's how I came across your um, work as you very much presented yourself as a learner. And uh, uh, what a powerful story in that educational leadership article. It's titled Relevant Curriculum is Equitable Curriculum. And I just thought it really nicely encapsulated what, what equity needs to be about, especially for um, um, all of our students. So, uh, and I loved your story uh, about being accelerated. I don't know if that's the appropriate word, um, to sixth grade um, and just seemed life altering. Can you just share that part of your learning journey and just how it made a difference for you? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I when I taught high school math, I would open up um, my high school math class with a story related to that, to my time in Mr. Bryant's sixth grade MSEN elective. Um, and, you know, because I, I struggled in math. And that was one of the reasons why I became a math teacher because I finally found a space where I excelled in math and really realized math was something that I could do and not just do, but do well. And so even, you know, the story reads, you know, I got, I was placed in Mr. Bryant's math class by happenstance. And I don't know if you saw, but I was able to present Mr. Bryant with a framed copy of the article because that was the least I could do for what I gained as being math class. But one of the things I shared with him in that moment is that, you know, I wasn't, you know, Shantae Garrett, the smartest of a sixth grade class that got placed in Mr. Bryant's seventh grade elective. That wasn't the case. When we all came to Mr. Bryant's class, you know, that was just a space where it wasn't questionable whether we could do math. It was, it was just our, uh, our ability to enjoy it, you know, being able to enjoy it. He, when we got to that classroom, our ability to do math just was not a question. He treated us like we could do math. He taught us like we could do math. Um, he coached us like he expected us to do better in math. And he created understanding for us as though we were supposed to do math. 
he had extremely high expectations for us. And that was just the context of the classroom period. So, you know, I walked into a space where I was carrying this baggage of, you know, the struggle I was going to have, the challenges, how long was it going to take me to do the assignments and all that kind of stuff. And it just opened up this world of not only I could do this, but I can actually excel. And every last one of us sitting in that seat, in the seats in those classrooms, were no different. And that seems to define equity. I mean, at least an outcome of what we'd want to see. And uh, I really like your definition in the article. I've shared it with my teachers. Um, they can actually read. Um, when I forget one part, they can say, oh, it's um, you know, meeting students where they are. But you define equity as giving students what they need to support their success, meeting students where they are, or and breaking down barriers to success. So what does that look like in um, in your classrooms or, or, or school-wide in your district? So, and you know, all schools and districts have been really challenged, you know, this year. I haven't met a leader that hasn't dealt with inequities. Um, and even before that time, we know that they existed. I remember times where, you know, we just have to say out loud, out loud in professional development, we're not dying on the hill of the pencil, right? <laughs> if the kid comes to class without a pencil, mm -hmm. give them a pencil and let's keep this moving. Like we're not losing instructional time over there. Um, and so when we're talking about giving them what they need to be successful, it is that matter of resources. So one of the things with, with this, pandemic that we did this year was each quarter we sent home school supplies. And so I don't just mean like, um, you know, their, their textbooks and, and we did the devices, but it was so much more than devices, right? It's what happens on the other side of the device and the ability to access school and learning when we got the devices, when they were in the kids' hands. And so we, um, we, you know, whatever it is, were they going to need crayons? We sent home crayons. How are we going to assess their learning? Are we sending, we sent home whiteboards and, and markers so that they can hold them up in the screen until we came up with a, a better solution. Um, we were trying to send home document cameras, um, but they became at a short supply as well. And so it was making sure that however we have to do education, we set our scholars up for success by making sure that their access to materials was not going to be a barrier. Mm -hmm. That's a great idea. Just the quarterly supplies home. I didn't access what, what they need. Um, so, and we talked about this prior, but you know, a challenge with making a curriculum relevant and equitable is you want it to be consistent as well. And sometimes teachers are giving scripts to follow. And, and consistency is great, but they can also create gaps. Um, just in your experience, how have teachers worked within these constraints to make instruction meaningful for kids? You know, in the article, I talk about the way Mr. Bryant made math live for us, but he made math live for us because he attached it to things that we knew. He attached it to things that we valued within our communities. He attached it to people that um, were images and reflections of, of who we aspire to be within our community. And so when we talk about relevance, so often 
we can get stuck on the script that'll talk about basketball, baseball, soccer, um, dance class, and think that they're creating relevance around these activities that may not even be inclusive for all the students that may sit in a classroom. And so it, the onus is on us as educators to know what our student, we call our, our student scholars, what our scholars and what our families value and make that a part of the curriculum. So how does this live out in your day-to-day -day life? Not just mine, or not just the way this curriculum manual states it because there's so much more. And I like that question you had in there. Um, I think it was near the end of the article. Um, what's, I think it was like, one, what's one thing that you want me to know about you um, yes. at the beginning of the year? And I think that would just set the tone for not just your instruction, but the entire community um, you know in your what? classroom. Absolutely. You know, we, we hosted our, um, we're starting a college and career academy. And yes, that is very much about becoming more a more equitable community in terms of access to opportunity. But we opened that meeting with, you are here tonight. What is it that you want for your scholar to have at the end of their high school experience? Mm -hmm. And yeah. while there are some things that were the same, there are also some variations because that's what matters in those families' cultures in their lives. Um, and in what they're trying to pursue. And that's a great way to start a connection, but it's also a great way to build understanding of even where to go to build this context. Yes, this takes work because we don't all live in each other's world, but it's the work that's worth doing when it comes to educating our, our students. Nice. Um, and, and you kind of related you talk about the harm we might cause when we strive to create equity in our classrooms and schools our help is not always helpful can you say more about that just maybe what educators might want to be aware of as we, we strive for equity yeah and so when you're when you are really striving to one of the terms that we hear used now is hold space mm -hmm. so we want to create space um, for kids to be processing what, what's happening in our world, um, the racial trauma, um, the injustices, all of those things that are taking place um, and realizing that they may not impact everyone culturally the same, but it is impacting everyone, period. Mm -hmm. And so you have to one, which is also one of the reasons why I'm positioning myself as a learner right now, is you have to position yourself as a learner, as an educator, and try to understand and gain understanding as to what these events may mean. You also have to position yourself in truth, because there are some things that have become political that just are not political. Yes, there not, is truth. <laughs> there's not two sides to certain things. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. And so, you know, one of the things when I had a teacher come up to me and say, Dr. Garrett, how am I going to hold a conversation about this? You're going to hold it in truth. Mm -hmm. We will stand in front of our kids and teach truth every single day. Yeah, I like that. And it's making sure that we are not recreating trauma. The images 
of, of black men dying in streets and being beaten don't have to be the images that we put in front of our children in terms of holding space. They've seen enough of that. Mm-hmm. They, they have it at their fingertips with their phone. Facilitating that process of healing does not start there. And ed- I want educators to be careful about recreating traumatic experiences in the name of helping people understand. And I also um, want educators to be thoughtful about making sure and being intentional about placing affirming identities in front of students or affirming students' identities by placing affirming um, images and opportunities in front of them. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about cultural relevance in our school community, we talk about it from the responsive perspective. We don't ignore what's happening in the world um, because we want our, our scholars to be able to process and critically think about their role in making change. In terms of relevance, we get to know our scholars and their families and their backgrounds, and that becomes the context of their learning. It doesn't mean that you don't follow standards. Mm-hmm. It means we show them how they, their lives, their cultures contribute to the learning that, that they are seeking and what they are learning about the world. We affirm their identities and the identities that they are developing and becoming for themselves. And that means that we don't place images and in context that is harmful and traumatic and we help them attach themselves to those images and contexts that are affirming as they are pursuing. And that the way you describe this makes it very doable. Um, I think sometimes we try to overthink this or, you know, try to think of what's, you know, like you said, what, 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 what topics or subjects are we going to bring in? And, and we just need to listen to our kids and our families and, um, Start with an open ear. So just to kind of wrap things up, um, you've listed a variety of ideas here to create a more equitable space and and help kids feel valued. What's one thing um, that you would recommend a a leader or a teacher do just to continue to hold that space, that holding environment um, within their communities? Yeah, and and I always, and this is where we always start our year. Know the story before you create the story. Mm. And so it's going straight to the source. Um, and so whatever um, what Renee Brown says, we always come up with our first draft. You know, nix the first draft. Go straight to the source. And that's where you start with your understanding to begin the work that needs to be done within your community. That's great. And if you have a minute, I want to go back um, to the number two. Okay. Because well, it's a it's about the resources. Yeah. Uh, but it's also closing those gaps on experiences too. Mm. Right. Because mm. just like our kids come to school with varying abilities to fulfill the supply list and all that kind of stuff, and get the tools. Um, part of that resource gap is those experiences and exposures. Yeah, the background knowledge. 
Exactly. You know, there are things that affluent families have access to, you know, even if it's piano lessons, participating in different types of athletics um, Um, outside of school, you know, music, what have you, those things outside of school that enhance what's being learned inside of school mm -hmm. and creates those opportunities for acceleration. And so it's about developing for schools, developing those partnerships. If you can't um, create them within your community, that also adds those additional exposures and experiences. You know, it's about hosting those clubs and things and creating space and time to be more inclusive so that more students, especially those that may not have access to them outside of school, can have access to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's another way to break down the barriers. But it's also about having those hard conversations around our policies and our practices. Yeah. Yeah. And for many of us, you know, that technology policy slapped us in the face uh when the pandemic hit, right? Yeah. Um, And so what are those other things uh, that aren't serving our marginalized and minoritized communities well? And having Mm -hmm. hard conversations about the why and dismantling those. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. And uh, this has been very um, helpful for me. And um, just to continue, as I am a learner too, to continue to um, learn and expand my perspective. So thank you, Dr. Garrett. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be with you. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm.